I know we don't have much time, so I want to get right into it. Um, I want to make sure you all get out um, with the, the right amount of time so you can see the Redskins try to figure out life. All right? All right. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's pray uh, before we start. Lord God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come together and fellowship in your house. Lord, bless us as we grow in knowledge in your word. Help us to make that materialize so that we can live what we read and live what we learn and live what we preach. We can become better Christians tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So uh, keeping in the context of Pastor Brett's series, Partnering with Grace, I've been given the opportunity to preach here and to um, talk about some of the healing that happens when you partner with grace. Who, uh, who wants to be healed today? Now, a lot of times we think because we're Christians, we're already healed and, and everything's all good. That's what we think, at least going into it. And then you realize that once you become a believer, it actually becomes amplified and you realize how broken you really are. It's kind of like marriage. You think it will solve your problems. <laughs> And then you realize how much of a problem you are. <laughs> Go from your problems to you are the problem. So I'm believing today that we'll be able to uh, grow in an understanding of our past and where we are to go forward um, by, by titling the sermon, Scabs and Scars. Scabs and Scars. Now, what's the difference between a scab and a scar? A scab is temporary. Many times scars last forever. And a scab is meant to heal you so that you can get to the position of a scar so that your skin can become more normal, right? And um, I want to, I wanna, you know, every now and then you got to look at WebMD. I know some of you guys look at WebMD, try to figure out life and um, new health advisor, all these different things. So I, I wanted to read this before getting into the scripture. So um, in the case of a scab, and it, it says this, in case of injuries and bleeding... The body forms a hard cover or scab, somebody say ill, <laughs> to protect the area and prevent infection or further injury. The appearance of scabs indicate that the natural healing process of the wound has begun. Scabs prevent the exposure of wounds to the environment. Now, just because scabs, um, they allow, uh, they, they prevent the, the uh, exposure to the environment, that doesn't always seem to be a good thing. Why? Because when we're scabbed up and we come into the body of Christ, we need to be exposed so those around us can help us. See, how many of you guys have ever had a scab that stayed a scab too long? And then it becomes so sensitive. I saw a little one just, <laughs> yeah, she might have a fresh one right now. There's been so many times I used to play sports and you'd have scabs all on your arm and you're doing things that have nothing to do with your scab. And then, then you just brush up on something so gingerly and you start bleeding. What in the world is that? Where'd that come from? You hadn't been healed yet. Now, the problem is a lot of times us as believers, we walk around so scabbed up that any slightest thing will make us bleed. That's why five years later, after the fact, whatever it, uh, whatever it was that scarred you, you meet somebody and they say, hey, how are you doing? And then they, they say, do you want to go get a milkshake? And you say, oh, no, a milkshake. You don't know my, my ex-boyfriend. He took me to get a milkshake and blah, blah, blah. And now you're trying to, they're trying to figure you out because you've been walking with a scab. You haven't allowed God to heal you. This is not always good 
to prevent exposure. Keeping it dry and not allowing further bleeding uh, or discharges. Um, However, when the healing process starts, scabs may tend to itch or irritate. How many of you guys have been scabbed up and it's not fun? And I'm not talking about just your regular scab. I mean something that happened to you in your life and it irritates you. It stays with you. You feel like you can't get away from it. Everything reminds you of that scab. (laughs) Scabs can come in the form of people. Scabs can come in the form of places. Scabs can come in the form of bad decisions. This is the last thing. I love this. This last sentence. It's my favorite, actually. It says, they can even look quite ugly when visible. (laughs) We want to cover it because I don't want you to see the real me, the ugly part of me. I want you to see the the nice suit, churchy me. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well. God is amazing. Happy Sunday. Praise him. I was just praising earlier today. I'm so thankful that you asked me. Now I can share with you my praise. When deep down you're saying, I'm broken, I'm desperate, I'm lost, I'm hurt. Please help me. But I know you're trying to help me and I'm saying please help me, but I don't want you to help me. Scabs tend to play with your mind. Scabs are only temporary and not to be grasped, grasped as normal. They're not normal. Let's go into the scripture and see what Paul had to say about scabs. We're going into the famous thorn in the flesh scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, 1 through 10, uh, uh, verse 7 through 10. He says this, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations in which he previously talks about. He says, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. The power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is this thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about? No one knows exactly. Could it be temptation? Maybe opposition? Maybe a chronic illness? Traumatic experiences, etc.? I like to believe that it was a physical affliction. And somehow God's power was able to be displayed in the midst of that physical affliction. See, we get it wrong in the church. We think that when we come here, we become, we become bigger, better, stronger. So nothing can, can, touch, can touch us or attack us. Actually, the Christian faith is what, what reveals to you, what shows you how weak you really are. And you don't become bigger, stronger, faster, better. It's God in you that allows you to be bigger, stronger. So in the process of our weakness, we get to see God on display. And that's what we're able to boast about. So I have a question for us as we continue in this. What has more power over you today? The scab in which you suffer? Or God's grace and healing power displayed through your scars. Just a little background 
about this letter. I mean, Paul had been going through it. And in the midst of this letter, he's trying to, he's trying to not just win these people for himself. I mean, it's really not about himself at all. When he tries to, if you, if you read all of 2 Corinthians, he's going back and forth, trying to reel them back into the truth. Because they were false teachers. And they were running rampant about the church. And they had two missions. One was to discredit his message. And then the second is to discredit his apostleship or his authority. So Paul's not physically there, but he's writing to them and he's saying, listen, it's not, it's not anything that they're telling you. I've labored and toiled. I've done all that I could to serve you. I've been here for you and I'm not here for you for me. I'm here so that I can serve you to the best of my ability to get you closer to the cross and to help you walk a righteous life to serve Jesus. This is one of Paul's most personal and intimate letters. In it, he bared his soul and professed his abiding love for the Corinthians, despite their apparent fickleness of their affection for him. His greatest concern was those false prophets but, but he, wanted, he wanted them to stop with the promotion of their own ideas and to get back to kingdom principles. Four letters were written to the Corinthians. Two that we, know, two that we, we have read, but two that we don't know exactly what they said. But I believe that they were even more passionate and harder than these letters. God doesn't need us to see everything to get the picture. But he visited them, them three times. You talk about a roller coaster of a relationship with him in this church. But not for his sake did Paul write to them, did he serve them. It was for uh, the, the, the call on his life to steward these people. So I want to talk about three things briefly. I know we don't have much time. But three things that can help us transition from our scabs to our scars. I am in no way saying that you won't have scabs and I'm no way saying that you are to overlook your scabs because as long as you're living and breathing, I guarantee you, you will be scabbed. You will be hurt. But the goal is to see Jesus in all of it and allow his grace to be sufficient for you and to heal you. So three things. First, proximity. Proximity. Second, power. And then lastly, purpose. Proximity. Verse 7 through 8. He says, he says, it kept me from exalting myself. So the thorn in the flesh kept him from feeling really, 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 really good about himself. Why is this important? Pastor Brett preached a sermon not too long ago about staying low. Staying humble. Getting on our knees so we can remind ourselves on a day-to-day basis who's in control, who has the power. Paul may have felt that his ministry could have done wider or, fur- or, or gone further than, his thorn, uh, uh, than, than, than if his thorn w- would have been removed. Sorry, I said that wrong. If Paul's thorn would have been removed, he would have believed that his ministry would have, gone, would have been wider or, and have gone further. He had to depend completely on God for his every move. So many times, especially us in this nation, we can get up and do whatever we want. You want to work here? Go apply. You want to marry this person? Go ahead. You want to do whatever you want? 
do it. Rarely do we have to get on our knees and say, God, where do you want me to go? Because I can't go. Physically, I cannot move until you send me there. The reason why I believe that, um, that it was an actual physical affirmity is because in Galatians 4, 13 through 14, he says, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you for the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. But you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. How cool is it? The more we read our Bibles, the more we see the, the, the writers of the Bible as people. <laughs> Could it be that Paul potentially had some insecurities? Could it be just like us? That Paul was insecure, maybe the way he looked, maybe the way he walked. We know the way he talked wasn't the greatest. So that means he had to, it demanded trust from Paul to see fruit. So many times we get a little word. Anybody got a little word before? And they were like, oh, God gave me this. I'm going to run with it. God's way back there when I'm running. I'm going to do something great for the kingdom. We forget order. We forget wisdom. We forget hearing from God and, and getting clarity. But we got a word, though. And I'm excited about that. The reason why I use the word proximity is because normally it's, it's, it's a measure of the nearness of something. But this is the cool thing about, about God and our relationship with God. The closer we get to God, the more we realize how far away we are. I mean, when you get deep and you start to discover the secrets and the wisdom and the beauty and the righteousness of God, you start to look at yourself, oh my goodness, I am jacked up, Lord. It's not like the more you get to see him, the more he sees you and you look eye to eye. God, I'm, I'm learning more of you and I'm growing and I'm becoming big. No, you shrink. Oh my, I am, oh, am I even allowed to go here? I'm not worthy. You all remember when Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. We're talking about a prophet whose mouth was probably the cleanest than anybody ever heard of. The same gift that, that he could easily boast about. He said, oh, this is dirty. That ministered to me. I said, okay, that's his best attribute. And he's saying, this is, this is nothing. Seems like anytime you really have a true revelation, a true moment, true experience of the power of God. It's a woe is me moment. God, you are so great. How about this? In Exodus, you see Moses hiding his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. Job adorned himself and repented in dust and ashes. In chapter 42. Peter fell down at the Lord's feet and cried, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Constantly. The closer and closer we see people get to God, the more they say, oh, what have I done? So for anybody who may feel like they're walking righteously and they haven't had a moment like this lately, just go before the Lord and say, God, am I really experiencing you or am I experiencing the idea of church and me looking really good? 
me saying nice things. God, have I received the real you? Or have I received the westernized church manufactured version of God that's okay with anything that I do? See, we all say we come as you are. We want you to come as you are. But we're not expecting you to leave like you came. (laughs) God's going to do something in your life. So there's a nearness, proximity that God is calling us to. And his grace pulls us in into an intimate relationship with him. And that's why we can do great exploits for him. Because now we know, oh God, I am not good. Even when Megan said, you're going to hear a great word. I looked at Jermaine. I said, oh, Lord. (laughs) Here we go, God. You're going to have to do you again because it ain't going to be me doing me. (laughs) Let's look at the power. The power of God. You know, I tried to look and look at remedies and what the best thing to do uh, for a scab. You know, the best way to fix it. This is what I came up. This is my own words. This isn't WebMD. This is Web Jared. The best, you guys, this one, this one just makes a lot of sense to me. Sometimes it makes sense to me, but I got to make sure we all are, are together. The best remedy for a scar is attention. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of people say, oh, well, try apple cider vinegar. <laughs> try these medicated Band-Aids. If, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, you know, if you grew up in the South, pour some water on it. but ultimately the best remedy is attention so many times we get a scab and we just leave it be oh it'll heal eventually oh it'll get better oh that's the old me you end up suppressing things that you went through same things that god was trying to do something in you to make you stronger to reveal his glory Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And in the process, you begin to suffer. And you never ultimately become healed. And that's why you go on and live a life of fakeness. And you feel good, but at night you cry. And then you wonder why. Why you can't get breakthrough. Why you can't step into that next place. You keep asking God, please, please. As Paul pleaded with God three times, please take me from this place. But it's only when you get to verse 9 where Paul says, or God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. What does that mean, power being perfected in weakness? First off, grace being sufficient means that there's nothing more for you to look for. A lot of times we get a little bit of Jesus and then now I got to Google, I got to find something else. What is Oprah saying about this? What's Dr. Phil got for this one? I I went to church, I heard a little bit about about them, but I got to go to my friends. They got to tell me because I want to feel good. See, we're so about the feeling. Someone help me to feel good. I don't want to go through it. I want to go around it. But while I go around it, I want to feel good instead of facing it head on. What's the fruit of that? A father who deals with lust in secret 
has a son doors down from him, dealing with lust in the same way. But the father, somehow it happened to him as a young child, whatever the circumstances were. And he wrestles with it over and over. And he never seeked counsel. He never went to church and said, you know what? Let me tell you guys, I'm not what you think I am. Then generationally, it becomes passed down. Now his son is dealing with the same issue. Could it be that it's actually true in Revelation that there's power in our testimony? Could it be that, that the blood of the lamb that has is, that is bought us by that blood and the power of our testimony could be the same thing that could heal those around you that are dealing with the same thing? Could it be that we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation, not just pastors, not just people on staff? Could it be that we're all called to preach the gospel? Let's not use the word preach because everybody gets scared of that word. To share the gospel. Could it be that we're all called to share with your coworkers, with your neighbor? How many times do we get these opportunities and we miss them? I believe that God is purposely allowing us to endure pain for the greater purpose of advancing his kingdom. So that in our pain and through our pain, we would be an on-ramp to Jesus. For many to say, oh, okay, so you, you made it through that? Man, you're strong. No, I'm not strong. Let me tell you what happened. I got on my knees and I found strength. Now you can do the same thing and even more so than me. You know, it took me five years, but you know what? You just came to me today. I think it's going to happen today. Now, there, there's going to be a, a remnant of that pain that you went through. Don't worry. That's just a scar. And in Christianity and what we believe, we boast in those things. We say, look at this scar. You ever seen the kids growing up? Look at this one. Look at this one. I remember we tried to find states. Oh, this is Florida. This is, this is California on my leg. Look at my big scar. Why are they so proud? Because they have been through something. And, oh, this, this one right here, I fell off my bike. This one right here, I got beat up, but I got two shots in. <laughs> but whatever it was, it took them from one place to another. And now they build upon that scar. We got to start getting confident and boasting about what God is doing in our scars. And not allowing the enemy to condemn us by what's happened to us. Look at Paul's life. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 30, he said, I had far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. Have you ever been beaten times without number? I mean, I used to get whooped growing up. But I always knew it was never going to be more than 7 to 10. That's the guaranteed number, 7 to 10. If you stay still. <laughs> Hold on. All right. Sometimes you got to relive. That's a scar, not a scab. <laughs> In danger of death, five times I received from Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers of robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. 
in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concerning all these churches. Remember that he also was an apostle. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? But if I may boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. I love that we learn from Paul how to be strong. Now, we love that. Do you think Paul loved that? Being beat, stoned, alone, left for dead. But something, this is what drove him. The mission. Through his pain, there was purpose. And there was a power that he got access to. Because he knew that it was God that was going to get him through. So there was a power that he tapped into. And because of that, he was able to do great things. And I believe that somewhere along the lines, God gave him a vision of us, the church. And he said, man, if I just endure this, these scars that I'm all scarred up from head to toe, these people are going to eat off of that tree. And it's going to be fruitful. And it's going to help them to have wisdom and knowledge. So that they can go through it as well. And that Jesus can be glorified. So I encourage you today to get weak. Everybody wants you to get strong today because it's all about us today in America. Are you okay? What are you doing to change these things? Take these steps. Say when you wake up, I am a man. I'm strong. I am a woman. I'm strong. We got all these mantras. Where is Jesus in the process? We should start waking up by saying, God, I'm nothing. You know that. (laughs) I'm weak. Matter of fact, I'm the worst. I mean, I know a lot of people, but I don't know them like I know me. And I know that I'm bad. (laughs) So because of that, in your grace and mercy, please strengthen me today. Because you and I both know I can't do it. Let's just start from there. So we don't have to get surprised later on. (laughs) Scabs tend to be extremely sensitive. And they stunt the healing process when reopened. We have to see everything within the master's plan, the purpose of our pain. The purpose of the pain is not the pain. So don't build a house on the pain. Build a house on the kingdom. Build a house on what Jesus did on the cross. Build a house like Paul who says, you know what? I got to endure this stuff. Matter of fact, they just stoned me, but I got to go back in the city. Because it's not about my pain. It's not about my pain. It's got to be bigger than me. Peter, and, and, and this is how you remedy the pain. Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Jesus, remember Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think the issue is not so much how we got the scab. It's our response to the scab. Look what they did to me. How could they? I hate them. Oh, if I see them again. All of our responses. And it's never man, I got to pray for them. They didn't even know. Matter of fact, I probably did what they did to me to someone else. Father, pour out your grace on me and them. Lastly, purpose. Verse 10. And I think if we can find the purpose, we can find God. How hard is it to find God in the midst of circumstances? But how good is it when you find God in the midst of circumstances? 
He's well content with his weakness, with insults, with distress, persecutions, difficulties. But for Christ's sake, when I am weak, I am strong. What does that mean? God, who is so gracious, allows us the privilege to participate or partner with his grace in order to see his kingdom advanced in us and through us. Isn't it amazing that the God of the universe, the creator of everything we see, says, you know what? I'm going to allow you to come in and, and be a part of the process. Do you think that God couldn't allow his grace to be revealed in some other object? I mean, we can see, we can see nature. We can see different, different things in the world that can show us, oh, look at God. God's gracious. I mean, look at the, the precipitation. You know, that's like an amazing phenomenon that, that, that that's how water, I mean, that, that's, isn't that incredible? You're like, oh, that, look at God's grace. How about the sun? This is my favorite one. The sun comes up in the morning in a new way every day. It might be to your left, to, to your left one day. It might be to your right one day. But there's something about the sun coming up. It gives you a breath of fresh air. Imagine if it didn't come up. <laughs> You'd be sitting in darkness. Where in the world is God? Or where in the world is anything good? Where in the world, is, where in the world am I? <laughs> I can't see. But the sun comes up and it's a reminder of God's grace. And a reminder of the S-O-N coming up after the grave. Our testimony is for others to build on. So I close with this. I've been throwing a lot of scripture out, but I believe that, that we, we, we need to walk with Paul in his journey and to discover what this man went through so that we can look at ourselves and not just not belittle what we go through, but to be empowered by his grace and his power and encouraged and full of faith that he's going to see us through. And not only will he see us through, but that our scars will be an amazing testimony that will ultimately, ultimately lead others to Christ. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. I love this scripture. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, say all, all. our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a calling on your life. Next time you go through something, start to wonder, oh, man, God, who's this for? Who am I going to meet next week that I got to share this circumstance with, share this testimony with? What are my kids going to see one day that I'll be able to say, no, 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 let me tell you my story? Side note, we need to start telling our children about our stories. Stop letting your kids bump their heads. Say, Dad, I don't know why I've been struggling with this. You know, you know you've been struggling with this, but you don't want to put yourself out, with, out there. Mothers as well. People you mentor. Don't disciple somebody and they come to you confessing sin and then you don't tell, it, tell them back what you went through. The same thing. Because we so holy. Oh, you're dealing with that? Oh. Okay, uh, let's pray. No, let's walk with, with each other, together. I close with this. I love Batman. I know, you're like, what? Hold on. What about Paul? I love Batman. He's always been my favorite hero. 
But I got to stop calling him my superhero, my favorite superhero. Jesus is my superhero. Because what I found out is I don't have the same calling as Batman. See, Batman had to build his own thing and create his own suit and work everything out for his own good. I think I've been called more like a Superman. Because the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave is living and breathing on the inside of me. So as someone would say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any power. I can't make it. I can't live to see another day because I'm broken. I can say, well, greater is he in me than he that is in the world. So no longer am I trying to put on the right utility belt, (laughs) throw stuff, shoot stuff, jump off of stuff. Say, okay, I'm going to make this work. I get to surrender and allow the gift that's already on the inside of me. The power of the Holy Spirit. The more we tap into that power, the more we'll see the kingdom advanced. Amen.